You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Okay. Hi, everybody. It is February 29th. Uh, don't worry about that. Just 2016. That <laughs> I'm hearing another voice in my ear. You're hearing and uh, Louis Armstrong. I'm hearing Louis Armstrong. We are your co-hosts, Bill. That's here. me and Nancy. Hello, everybody. Burns, Hi. and we are broadcasting live on Future Theater on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter Digital Network from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania. We have no guest tonight. It's our anniversary, and we're just going to be talking with each other. But we have Chris from the very beginning. And we have Chris, who's producing our show tonight, mm-hmm. and Alfred Lemberg is out there, and yes. all our friends are out there, and we hope people call in and basically chat. And in order to do so, if you want to participate, tonight's going to be a party. And... You know, uh, here's the number one reason. You're hearing us in our brand new studio. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's our brand new old studio because tonight is a very special night. Because it's very special because I got the sound fixed. Ta-da. And actually, uh-huh. a, sh- a shout out to Keith Rowland and a thanks to Keith Rowland because it was Keith's basic question why aren't you plugging your earphones directly into the output slot on the Mac instead of plugging them into the mixing board? Right, and it's a technical question. That's It's so super simple that I it's taken me five years to actually figure this out, that that's, of course, the right way to go. Um, other people have questioned that double... You know, because I'm saying I've, I'm getting echoes and I'm getting two voices in Skype and so forth. But anyway, so it's solved. And Bill and I are in this same room. Uh, Bill's on a comfortable couch w- with a really expensive microphone. And I'm in a in a desk setting with a really expensive microphone. So I will be able to eventually use my semi-expensive Mackie board here to change the way I sound. I don't know how I'm going to do that yet, but I know I can do it because I've got dials. Mm-hmm. And the Mackie and the Mackie board itself is a story, <laughs> because uh, well, there'll be stories tonight. So, Chris, are you ready to? Okay, your mom is here. Just yep, she is. She's actually in the other room. And I was also going to say too that I did, as we talked, I do have a special guest lined wow. up at at well ten thirty your time okay. for you guys to call up. Yeah. And so, yep, we'll we'll get him ringing in. And that time, but yeah, I do have mom here. She's in the other room with the baby. Nice. I'm assuming, or in with the kid, with Colton might be playing his his guitar, or playing something. Well, as a she's she's their granny, and I can tell you, as a grandma, as a working grandma, those kids come first. They come first before radio. They come first before our own children. They come first before anything. Their grandkids are super. But um, the reason I was gonna, what I was going to ask you was, are you ready to sit back and hear? We can't help it tonight. We have to tell our stories. Um, We were married. Okay, so if you go to futuretheater.com, that's the first thing I wanted to say. If you go there, and I'll follow along myself. By the way, by the way, there's a person who is missing tonight, but he's listening. And that's Angel. And I'm kind of, I love you, Chris. 
but I'm kind of semi forlorn without Angel's sure. voice here because I don't you don't realize how much he's propped us up in terms of just the banter, you know? Um and he and I can't ask any questions, for example, about movies or T V because his mm. enthusiasm right now is sorely missed. But anyway, so he's listening. Hi, Angel. And he'll be back. Right. Yep. And I and, agree. And yeah. Angel really, I mean, I heard this terrible story, and I saw Angel's mm, Yeah, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go we're there. We're not going to go there. Just know that we're all thinking about you. Mm-hmm. And we're all praying, because we all do pray in our own way. Right. And mm-hmm. I, 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 can you hear me moving stuff around? Yes? No. no. Okay. Ay, ay, ay. Because I'm trying to learn to do this professionally. Because, okay, now that I have the open... Well, I, now that I have iTunes hooked into our little system here. And, and the other person I want to thank, who has to be thanked, is this fellow named Ben. Um, he's one of our listeners. And I'll just leave it at Ben because he may not want more than that. But my goodness, he also has the same rig I do. And I'm on a Mac system, as is Keith. <clears throat> and it's really, it's really different from a PC system. And there's actually a brand new product called Loopback, and Ben has tried it, and we worked it one day, and then, and then out of total frustration, I finally called Keith. I couldn't take it anymore. I knew he would have some answer to start to untangle why nothing works, and sure enough, the rest, as they say, is so. So I wanted to. Okay, my plan was had I had product ready, and I don't have product ready. Um, shout out to Soroya who is working on a book. Shout out to Chris, who is working on a book. Um, I'm working on books, and I can't put a really brand new scheme into place until I get maybe some books. Maybe Bill can put this into good PR language. How do I? Tonight we were going to talk about a whole brand new thing, and we were going to do a marathon. Um, just, But we will do that. We will do that'll, a marathon. That'll come up. I mean, we don't need to do that tonight. The, the thing that we're going to do is we are going to unite a subscription for an ongoing radio show archive and, and probably an entire network uh, when you think about it. We're uniting that with a, an ebook business, which is now transformed to something else that we had years ago so that if somebody subscribes for Future Theater or the Future Theater Network, if somebody subscribes, what that subscriber will get in addition to the unlimited archives and special things that we do and we'll create special shows, in addition to all that, I sound like Donald Trump, in addition to all that... What a person will get is a choice of whatever book or books, depending on how many we put up, each month that the person subscribes for. So you get the radio show, you get the archives, you get the network, and you get your pick of whatever books, call them hyperzines. Believe me, I broke my neck trying to trademark this thing. You get hyperzines um, each and every month. And we have this very large, very extensive list of Yeah, but talk about what happened today. Today... We got a call. It, it's not the call you want to get ever, let alone on your anniversary. 
but our long-term storage in California. Oh yeah, talk <laughs> about talk about grief. So we had this storage in California. We've this, been storing stuff a, at this place ever since what? Uh, two thousand and not two thousand and six. Eleven. Well, no, no, no. This is before then. Okay, wait, wait. I'm adding our first call successfully. I hope. I hope. Uh huh. It's yep. It's Who's our, on the line? It's our friend. I, Kevin. It's, it's Kevin from Colorado Springs. Hey, oh, Kevin, Kevin. How are you? How are you, Kevin? First, good. First of all, happy anniversary. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And uh, just as long as I get my copy of UFO magazine along with that subscription. Well, see, that's where I was and, going. Yes. Here's the issue. Well, picture this if In you In fact, will. here's not the issue. The, uh, the UFO magazine. So we'll start it off with the, the UFO magazine story. The company that owns the trademark... UFO Magazine. It's the company's called UFO Inc. That company had given us the license to publish UFO Magazine in print and digitally, and that's how we um, sold the magazine to subscribers, one-offs, and subscribers. Back in what is it, two thousand? 13 or 2014, I forget which year, they decided that they wanted to put the UFO trademark up for sale. And putting it, putting it up for sale... What exactly are you doing? You're moving around. Putting it up... I'm off the, um, You're off the air for what? some reason. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Okay, can so my okay, earphones Okay, well, you out. want here. Wally, I'll turn you down to mute... And you... My earphones are out. Your earphones are out. Okay. Hmm. Yes, they are. They fell right out of the machine. Okay, they fell out of the machine. There you go. Oh, wow. It's really... It's a a plug and a... and What do you call those things? A girl and a boy. Right. A male and female plug. So plug it back in. I've got to find it first. And and, and then I'll keep talking. So so what happened was they they wanted to sell the magazine. So because they wanted to sell the, the trademark to the magazine, what they did was they said, okay, no more publishing the magazine. That's over. So what we have, so we can't publish the magazine anymore. But what we can do is we have stacks and stacks of older issues and as remaindered copies, because they're no longer intellectual properties they're now movable properties. They're, they're individual issues that are bought and paid for. So we can sell those as remainders, and or, we're going to put those up as well. Or, and here's the beauty part, we're going to give them away, I mean, as, as premiums for this kind of little endeavor we're going to do. So we're in the process of making an interesting endeavor that I think will we'll make us solvent. It will bring... The writers of UFO Magazine back to a place where we're beginning to have. Pu- we're gonna we're gonna try to get ourselves back on the map a little bit. Right. See, we had UFO Magazine, and and I will say this: I was the publisher of UFO Magazine from 1998 to 2014, and I will tell you flat out. 
that of all the magazines out there, back magazines in the 50s, current magazines dealing with uh, this phenomenon, UFO magazine was the best. And it was the best back in the 1980s when Vicki Cooper, then Vicki Ecker published it. And so this has been basically the gold standard of well, magazines mean, in this field. Well, the fact is, the Eckers always had an idea that they weren't going to sugarcoat the situation. There was enough weird stuff to report that they could also, from the get-go, from the very beginning, call the scam artists as they saw them, and they did. That's right. See, most of the publications in the UFO field are cheerleaders. It's basically, yeah, yeah, UFOs are real. Anybody who criticizes anything is a government uh, disinformation specialist. Don't you dare criticize our UFOs. I want my UFO. And there you are. And so part of the problem was that there really was no objectivity in UFO publications. They were all uh, uh, basically singing from the same hymnal, which was UFOs are real and don't you dare deny it. The field of UFO research is far more complicated than simply stomping your foot and saying UFOs are real because I saw one, so don't tell me I didn't because I know what I saw, well, which Kevin, is the standard rant of right, but most in the, of in, in the UFO speaking, research field. Speaking. I get that rant. <laughs> yeah, but let me ask Kevin, who is blind, um, and we've always joked about that back when we had Bella Haven. Kevin called in, and it became a thing. That's how we distinguished our Kevin from, say, someone else's Kevin. Yep. <laughs> but, Kevin, did you ever read the magazine before you lost your sight? Sure. I, I'm, I'm positive I did. I was just trying to think, when you mentioned the Vicki Eckert doing it back in the 80s, mm -hmm. how far back that went, because my UFO interest goes back to when I was like five, six. Wow. My, my uncle was giving my dad copies of the Blue Book, copies of whatever uh, Fate magazine, whatever UFO magazines there were, and my dad had this stash of everything from Playboy. I got an education. <laughs> I got Playboy's UFO magazines and Fate magazine to read from. Plus, I, as an eight-year-old, I was reading the Blue Book. Wow. I read that thing almost from cover to cover. Right, and you read it the same way you would read the Bible or the encyclopedia. You open a book and you say, okay, this is the truth. And the Blue Book never never was set up so that young kids would read it as the truth. It was meant to sort of debunk this stuff. Right. It was I mean, meant I, to say... I, from, as a kid reading it, I said to myself, B.S. <laughs> really? There's something here. The case that's being reported, there's something that happened. You and can't sugarcoat it. And no. even a child knows. I firmly believe it. Even a child knows... When you're being BS, well, I would and say, I got that yeah. impression from Blue Book almost as soon as I started reading it. Well, Within here's the, the thing, Kevin. But wait, when wait, you... wait, guys. We have another caller. Okay. Who is it? Hello? I hate to interrupt. It's a great <laughs> conversation. Oh, Angel. How are you oh. feeling? 
How you guys doing? No, how are Happy you? Yeah, well, thank you, you thank you. More important, how are you? I'm I'm perfectly fine. I, I had to call in. Happy anniversary, uh, Bill and Nancy. It's uh, thank you. Great to hear your voices. I miss both of them greatly. Believe me. How how is your mom? Well, did you doing? hear the Did you hear the opening, the music? Yes, I heard the opening. Ta-da. I heard it. Thank you. How is your mom? <laughs> well, right now I'm sitting down in front of the most beautiful face in the world, my mother, and yeah. uh, she's laying down in bed sleeping. Is she feel um, Is she feeling better? Is she more responsive? She's a little bit more responsive. Uh, the last uh, few days have been you know, a little bit better. They've uh, put her on some medication, which is uh, making her a little bit more alert, and she's getting her appetite a little bit back. So, Good. you know, baby steps. But uh, you know, it's pretty uh, pretty drastic at the point that she's uh, when she came into the hospital. It's pretty bad. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's still a pretty bad uh, situation. All so, around. what's going to happen you know, next? She's a strong woman. What's going to happen next? Uh, well. Right now we got the hospice uh, center, which is going to take care of her uh, starting probably at the end of this week, and then she'll probably end up leaving here to go to hospice. And uh, from there, as you know, in the hands of whatever the creator you believe yeah. in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're I mean, watching. Really you're watching. You know? Well, you're there, and and you're very lucky you can be there because some people lose their parents and can't be by their side. So as you know, hard as it's it funny is, you say that because Nancy, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. Uh, lost his father a couple of years ago. He was out at the Bahamas uh, taking a boat uh, that he had fixed here in Miami to his to uh, some people in the Bahamas who he had business with, and he was murdered. Uh, he threw his body oh, oh my God! Wow. And my friend never got to think about it. His father, his body was found a few days later, and it was a really just a terrible, terrible thing. And uh, he never got to think about it. His father and right. I was thinking about you know his situation compared to mine. Yes. I'm going to get to see my mother in her last days, and I'm going to say goodbye to her and, yes. and all that. And, and I don't know which is easier, really. I mean, well, I, I, I can, you know, I can tell you it's, what you're going through is very hard, and I went through it in 2002. And I can tell you that looking back, it's now been 14 years. I am so it, That was a blessed time in my life. I am so grateful to have it and the memories because um, I could just feel a little closer to my mother with those memories, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I completely uh, know where you're coming from because, uh, I mean, just being here, it's mo- so much more important than anything else that I, I could yeah. possibly be doing. Right, time. of course. But I'm you're very, very, right. very glad you called in. And I wanted to ask mm-hmm. j- you quickly, just, um, did you see the movie Mad Max? I did see the movie Mad Max. Uh, really, I saw the movie, yeah. Okay. Do you recommend it? I didn't really like it too much. Wow! So you got all the Academy well, Awards. Yeah, it, it it just racked up the technical awards at the Oscars. I know. And I was surprised. Which I, I don't understand either because I mean, Star Wars was like yeah. Wars. I was amazed that Star Wars was shut out. I'm serious. Completely shut out, Bill. Completely shut out. Like, How could was, uh, I was blown away. This year, this year is like the Oscars were held in like a bizarre world or something. It was. Everything, I mean, it was. Yeah. It, it, it was not crazy. expect to happen. Happened. Leo won an award. Star Wars got snubbed. Rocky got snubbed. That's crazy. right. I was. Right. I. Th- I definitely snubbed. thought oh, that he was Sly Stallone was a lock. I absolutely yeah. thought I'm sure he was a lock. Sure, everybody did, and he did too. You could just yeah, he did too. Yeah. I, I, I'm. I'm. You know. I mean, Mark Rylance was great. I mean, he really did a good job. But I mean, Sly Stallone to come back the way he did in that movie mm-hmm. was so impressive. And as much as I liked, I mean, obviously, I. I, I certainly agree with. Leo winning for the Revenant because what he went through for that movie, I was surprised and then not surprised that Spotlight won because Spotlight yeah, with, with Leo 
I thought it was going to be between Leo and Brian Cranston, and I really like Cranston's performance. I thought he was great. I thought Brian Cranston yeah. was fabulous. And since I know the story very well of Dalton Trumbo, and I know the whole story of Dalton Trumbo and Rig Lardner Jr. and John Land, I know that whole what would happen when you know the character, you know how really good Brian Cranston was in that movie. But yeah. the funny thing about Spotlight was when you think about it like in silence and you realize how much like all the president's men it was it is of the whole gamut of movies that were up this year yes revenant and you know, of the whole gamut of movies I, this sounds crazy but spotlight was the most quote unquote american movie because the values that it displayed, the values that it narrated and documented were the values of what happens when an aggressive free press breaks through the lies to get the truth. And that is kind of at the core, like if there is a core of American lore, American social lore, that's what the movie Spotlight did. Next would have been the big short. Yeah, there's a Because it had the same, it, it had the same, a small group of people discover the truth like a dog with a bone. They don't let it go. But the difference is that the reporters at the Spotlight unit at the Boston Globe in real life basic, basically were telling a real story about real abuses. They weren't in it to make money. Which the folks in, um, which the folks in um, going short uh, were about. Hmm. Even though Steve Carroll, I think, should have won an award. We're, we're we're check out Spotlight. I need to. I need to see Spotlight. Spotlight I, I is, Spotlight is great. No, Spotlight is Spotlight is kind of like, you know, this is my fight song. I mean, that's how good okay. that movie is. <laughs> Well, Spotlight is... Uh, do we have any Catholic boys on the phone? I right never now? heard of it, by the way. Spotlight is about Catholic boys being abused by priests. And it's not... I, I, I don't want to watch it now. I know. Well, no, that's the whole yeah. point. And it's what happened when this cardinal in Boston, on his watch, didn't do anything about it. And you had... I mean, I mean just from people that I know, I know... No Catholic boy that has not been abused or was the attempted target of abuse by a priest. And I know well, a lot I'm of Catholic be kids because I know I'm a lot of cops. No, there'll be people. That was, the, that was the main reason why I left the, the religion, because of the abuse. Well, and, uh, that's what this movie is about. Personally, I mean, not that I didn't try to get abused. I mean, I wore sexy clothing to, to church every day, and I'm like, hey, <laughs> Father O'Malley, like what you see, huh? But nothing. They never touched me. I was very disappointed. Had to leave the church. Well, you know, um, it was it was racial, Angel. Listeners <laughs> to this show um, are probably fans of Malachi Martin as well, and Malachi right. Martin. I just throw this out there. Suggested that the church was going to be brought down by s satanic forces in about our lifetime. <laughs> And I always think about that when this is all going on. You'd say they brought it on themselves, right? Well, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's the easy answer and the easy escape answer. Oh, the satanic forces don't take us down. Now, how about the pedophiles that are you know in your church? That's going to take you down. Well, right, exactly. And and that's but the far right wingers in the Catholic Church 
will come on radio shows and suggest that this is not really widespread, it's not really happening, um, but but this movie we're talking about suggests that it's people outside the church who kind of blew the whistle. That's ordinary right. Ordinary citizens. That's right, ordinary people. But um, as as kind of like an add-on to that, if folks have been reading about the mysteries surrounding the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. Mysteries? You mysteries. The reason he... Yes. Now, I don't know whether there was a conspiracy, but one of the mysteries was that um, Justice Scalia was attending a kind of a festival, celebration, meeting, hunting, happiness thing in Texas... But it was for a society that it is that is a secret Catholic society, very very arch conservative, like Opus Dei, but very very arch conservative. Kind of, I, I think it's called Saint Hubertus, and it is a society that celebrates the religious sanction to go hunting. I mean, if that makes oh, wow. any sense, Hubertus was the That'd saint of hunting. And so um, imagine that this order took its, I guess, mantra, mantra from um, the line in Genesis, from, from the statement in Genesis that Adam and Eve should have stewardship over all the animals in the garden which meant they were the caretakers, they were the stewards, they basically kept the herds functional, nobody starved. And so from, from that, which was very important in the Middle Ages in defining what a good religious person is, St. Hubertus was like the patron saint of hunting. And so this society, very secret, um, strange, strange, very wealthy people were part of it, that's the occasion that brought Antonin Scalia to Texas that day. And he was a very sick man. I mean, this was not a guy who, like, sudden death. This guy had severe coronary disease, um, diabetes, all kinds of high cholesterol. So he was a, a walking problem. Why he didn't have a doctor with him, why he didn't have marshals with him is beyond me. Maybe because the society was so secret. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That wasn't so you, meant you to be a conversation that, uh, killer. Think Obama's going to appoint a, a new successor? No, he's going to appoint a successor because he has to. The Republicans will sit on it. But if it's a success... I mean, this is like... An election year, an election year um, golden goose, because you appoint a successor, you look at all these cases before the court, you look at all the, what you call obstructionism on the part of the opposing party, and say, what's wrong with this candidate? And if the candidate is somebody that the American people actually like, then all the candidates on the other side could run saying, oh, look at these terrible people holding it up, and they'll say, the right. American people should choose. And the Democrats will say, Never gonna happen. we did choose twice. <laughs> Never going to happen. Obstructionism is not against the law. Of course not. 
it's not against the law, but it will cost the Republicans election if they push the issue. I wonder. Because the American people, the ratings for Congress are like 9% favorable. And if the Republicans continue to obstruct, that just gives Bernie or Hillary, whichever one wins the nomination, but it also helps the down ticket. Oh, yeah. Because a Bernie or Hillary ticket by itself will do nothing. But if they flip control of the House and Senate, Mm-hmm. And they have control of the judicial the branch as well. Yep. That would make a big difference. That's right. Because we've seen eight years, almost eight years, six years, of Republicans obstructing anything the president has tried to do. Whether you agree with it or not, this do nothing, get nothing done. Whatever side of the aisle you're on, the American people do not like it. No, and so. it's backfired. I mean, that's what you yep. see going on now, that it actually has backfired. I keep thinking of, of this election, and I know Donald Trump. I mean, he really helped us with the Mickey Rooney book, and he was, I mean, he's a very different person in private than he is in front of a microphone. I, I can tell you that from experience. Um, he was actually a very nice guy. But the thing is that the media person that they created is like the krill monster in Forbidden Planet. It's the entire id, their entire fears have manifested themselves in this, it's like a Frankenstein monster. Their entire (laughs) fears have manifested themselves in this one media image of, of this person who basically is now channeling David Duke and the Ku Klux Klan, channeling well, Mussolini. Really don't understand, because he hasn't really said anything about races, and the people are keep shouting, races, races. Mexicans are not a race. There's like white Mexicans, Indian-looking Mexicans. That's right. That's there's exactly a, right. There's all kinds of different-looking Mexicans. He's not a race. He may be a bigot. You know, you want to call him a bigot. Okay, but everybody's shouting, oh, he's a racist. He's like David Duke. and the, No, he's married to immigrants, so it's clear yeah, he doesn't hate immigrants. <clears throat> That's not the problem. You were comparing the kid. Yeah, so so when you were talking about the edge, you're talking about Trump, right? Yeah, this, I'm saying right, that Trump. that was a figure that the, that the Republican Party consciously created, and now it ate them. Well, now I... It's the golem. I need to break in yep. and say that we have another caller on the line. I wanted just the caller to say hi. And then we're going to take a break for just a couple seconds while we bring in a surprise guest. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. So who is the new caller? Let's see here. Maybe he's not here anymore. I think he gave up, whoever he or she was. Okay. Okay, well, you, so you much You've got that. a break in the middle here, right? That's say what? Right. We're going to take a break. Yeah, it's the a, bottom of the hour. So uh, we're going to take a break. We are your co-hosts, Bill and Nancy Burns, on Future Theater Live with our wonderful with our wonderful get angels here tonight. Chris Brown is here tonight. Kevin is here tonight. Um, and mystery we're guest. Have a guest coming in. A mystery guest coming in in just about 60 seconds so from the banks of primrose creek in beautiful downtown solberry village pennsylvania we are your co-host bill and nancy burns on future theater live on psn radio and the dark matter digital network saying stay with us on the other side after these messages from the wonderful folks who bring you our networks sort of 
Let's see how this goes. We'll see. This is harder than it looks. It's not working. Whoops. Here we go. Okay, a new caller is calling in, and I'm not going to do the commercials. I'm going to bring the caller in for the moment because. Okay, so we're back without commercials. Yay! Commercials. Yeah, what the radio. heck? Pretend there was. Pretend there was. There, oh, there also, will be in post. Also, I'm going to bring our guest in. That's so this is like the day after Roswell edition, which had the Strom Thurmond forward, but didn't in subsequent printings. That's right. Okay, let's see. Caller 423. Hello, this is Charles. Oh, Very hi, Charles. Great, Charles. I knew it was you. I had a psychic um, I had a psychic sense that it was you. I'm calling to wish you all um, a great anniversary. Oh, I thank hope you. you reach the, your 50th. Just project that out into the future. It'll take a lot of Well, we will never reach our 50th because 50 times <laughs> 4 is what? 200? 200. It'll be 200 years before we reach our 50th. Well, that go for it. I mean, go go for See, it. See, this is know. our ninth, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's every four years. So it's you like Brigadoon. <laughs> so you celebrate it on, on Leap Day. That's, that's amazing. Right. It's like so, Brigadoon. Yeah. It goes away for three years, then suddenly one year it comes back. Mm-hmm. So it's... So it, so technically, what what number are we on? Nine. Nine. It nine. was, nine, okay. it so was February 29th, 1980. <laughs> the, and, and, I, and, 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 I'll never, and that year is very important because... I remember very well when Ronald Reagan was elected in 1980. It was, it was. Um, I remember we were driving. We were in New Jersey. We were in Nishanik Station, New Jersey, and I remember we were driving back, and it was election night, and Jimmy Carter was losing. It was pretty obvious, and you could hear police sirens all around you. And we looked at each other and said, I guess the police state has finally come. Hmm. I am making the call, Chris, right now. I'm calling our mystery guest. Actually, I'll let you all know. It's John Ventry. And also, I'm waiting on Alfred, who's going to slide in here somewhere. It's everybody. Who's anybody? Who's on our show? While you're making the call, Nancy, I will say, Lou sends his best. He's working tonight. Oh, uh, Lou Sheehan's working tonight. Okay, well, yep. hello, Lou. Says happy anniversary. Well, thank you, Lou. Thank you very much. All right, I think we have him on the phone. We have him on the phone? Almost. Hello. Nope, it's still ringing. Oh, it's still ringing. <laughs> okay, so we're waiting on... See if John Vendry picks up. By the way... Hello. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? Oh, your phone is still ringing in the background there, I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I was listening to your show, so I just I just turned that off. Oh, right, that's the delay. Got it. Okay, thank you for turning it off. Okay, so before we even start, just uh, uh, thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody out there about all the MUFON conferences in Pennsylvania this year? Yeah, we... Uh, First, let me say happy uh, anniversary to you, too. Thank I'm, you. I'm glad to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you for coming, John. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you being here when I called up and contacted you. This was Chris's yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm glad to be on. Yeah, as far as the conferences go, we have the Erie Conference coming up uh, April 30th. And uh, we, we, it's cool. We, we start that one off with the Kecksburg and the Prescott Island anniversary. Then we get into something that I think is going to be a really cool progression. I'm going to talk about my haunted life, all of the paranormal stuff that has happened to me, culminating really with this last uh, Thanksgiving of 2015, where I believe I had a demonic entity in the house. Yeah. 14 and, and, and the Thanksgiving of 15. It was incredible. And you mentioned Malachi Martin. I read his book, Hostage to the Devil. Oh. I've read almost the past year and a half, I've read almost every book on demonology and exorcism. <laughs> well, the person you should talk to, uh, and I'll put you in contact with him, I'll send you his email, is Joe Martin, who's probably okay. the one of the experts on not only Malachi Martin, because he knew him very well, but um, on the whole aspect of what really was going on inside the Catholic Church when they made this decision to recognize exorcism as a more public thing. Mm. I mean, that was... Uh, that was when so, was that, approximately? Oh, that would have been probably about, I want to say, 35, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, uh, the whole thing with Malachi Martin was that he... He was in the regular orders. He was in, uh, I think he was a, um, a, a Jesuit. And he was in the regular orders. And he had to get a dispensation from the Pope to leave the regular orders and become a secular priest. And one of the suspicions was that because of his work with exorcism, and his belief that exorcism should be kind of more of a public awareness that he had come to the attention of the CIA and the United States government. And so we were, we, the United States government and our intelligence agencies were partly instrumental in getting Father Martin released from his regular um, responsibilities as a member of the order and to let him go out among uh, within the secular world. He even had a girlfriend at the time of his death. Do you remember, do you remember how he died? Yeah, he supposedly, it was, the story was he fell off a ladder. But he was at his girlfriend's house or the person's house he was with. And the question is, was he pushed or did he fall? And yeah, all this came at a time, all this came at a time, John, when he was involved with a group. It was a non-governmental organization, an NGO, that was investigating the um, supposed cash of extraterrestrial archives that had been found in ancient Egypt, that had been deposited in ancient Egypt and found, and they had hired this one uh, 
Egyptologist, who was a college professor, to retrieve this cache of information on supposedly some oddball-looking version of a DVD. And he did, and then wouldn't give it back to the United States government. He sold it to the French Sûreté, um, uh, the, uh, the French security police, and the CIA had to go out and get this guy back, and they did, and they did with extreme prejudice. And they recovered the disc, and the person who picked that disc up for the government was Malachi Martin. Yeah, and, but when he, when he fell, uh, he suffered his second stroke, and he was in the hospital, and the other priest came to visit him, and what he, they asked him what happened, and he said, they pushed me, but there was no one there. Right. Meaning it was demonic entities. And didn't they, his housekeeper and his maid and all of them, they had infiltrated his home as workers. And then when, after he passed away, they went to his house. His laptop was gone. His files were gone. They were part of a cult or a sect or something, and they took all of his stuff. Where the Martin government? Felt Martin felt he was pushed by, uh, you know, an unseen entity of right. this demonic force. Right. Exactly, right. Because That's he, really scary. It, it oh, is, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, oh. Go ahead, John. Well, I, I'll tell you, uh, you met my daughter, right? Yeah. Uh, at, at the conference. Yeah. And a funny, you know, back in 2010, my kids, you know, I, I get divorced, so I only saw my kids a couple of times a year. But... Um, they were in my house at my house in 2010, and my daughter had an encounter with two shadow people upstairs in her bedroom. They went into her, and it was she says the scariest things. She could hear voices in her head, and they went into her. One went into her, and the other one said, "When you're done with her, I want to try out the other two. Meaning my son and his fiance that was in the other room. Wow. So. Yeah, and, so, and she, she she ended up, she was able to get out of the room, come run down the hallway, woke me up, and, uh, you know, she actually st- spent the night in my bedroom. She was so afraid. But what happened yeah. in December, what, get this, what happened in December, because my kids don't live with me, we always spent Thanksgiving together, and my daughter was coming up to visit with her husband. And um, I, they're coming up for five days. I thought they were staying with me at least for a couple of days. And, you know, her brother just moved near me here in Irwin, PA, about 10, 12 miles away. So Monday of Thanksgiving, I go upstairs. I notice her bedroom door is wide open. So I close the door. Tuesday, I come upstairs at night to go to bed. I notice her bedroom door is wide open. I close the door again. The door locks when you close it. It's not the type you can push open. There's nobody else lives here but me. Twice her bedroom door was open 100%. They were waiting for her to come for Thanksgiving. And uh, Tuesday she tells me that she's not coming. Well, she's coming, but she's staying with her brother. I had no idea she wasn't staying here. So these entities, they're in your house, they know every conversation, they're watching you like terrorists, you know, intruders, in your house, like invisible effing man, and they know everything going on. And, um, and, and then I started, uh, the tapping sound started. Bill, I mean, if you've never had paranormal activity, it, 
It was incredible. The what Tapping kind of sounds? 100% of the They were rapping sounds, tapping. right? So is that you, Mr. Splitfoot? This is like the Fox sisters all the way back in 1840 and 1850 well, who lived in a haunted house in Hydesville, New York. Mm. What kind I mean, of rapping sounds? I couldn't sleep. Yeah, it was like it was sleep deprivation for days. Actually, it went on for about six weeks. Well, and Kevin, uh, constant you... tapping sounds. I would go into my bedroom at night, and something would stick me in the leg like a like a sewing needle or something. And I, I would jump and say, "What the heck is that?" And uh, that sounds like the movie, uh, the entity that uh, I think yeah, was I, actually I based on a true story or something, wasn't it? Do you remember I'm telling that? you. Yeah, I, re I remember that with uh, Barbara Hershey, right? Mm -hmm. that's right, Barbara that Hershey. was Barbara Hershey. And then The Exorcist was also based on a true story. That was not a fake story. That was real. Yeah, with a yeah. girl. Was yeah. actually, I mean, with a boy. It, it, it was, was actually a boy, a boy a... and it wasn't in Washington, D.C. It was in another place. But it's funny, John, because that when that original nonfiction book, and not the Friedkin movie, but when that original story came out, that's one of the things that really got Malachi Martin excited because he felt that should be the pursuit he should follow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bill, it was unbelievable. I mean, there were scratching sounds in the wall so loud. I, 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 four times I got up to look at the wall. I said, this has got to be like a squirrel coming through the wall. And my dog, I got a 108-pound Doberman. He walked right past it. He didn't. He didn't hear it at all. And oh. in June of fourteen, though, I was in the house. I went upstairs. I always open the attic door to let the cool air come in at night. And uh, I walked past the bathroom. It absolutely reeks of a dead animal. So I, you know, I put the fan on. I close the door. I go downstairs. I watch a baseball game for three hours. Uh, my dog comes over. He lays on my lap. All of a sudden, on the wall, Bill. There's a bang, and the picture lifts off the wall. I got two Indian headdresses on both sides of the picture. The feathers just blow to the side. And the dog heard that. He turned, I turned. Hmm. Both of us at the exact same time turned and looked at where the bang came from. And uh, then I, I went upstairs. I go to the bathroom. Three hours the fan's on. It smells like death. Wow. And uh, so I said, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do now. I turned the fan off. I go into my I would move, John. That's what <laughs> I would do. <laughs> now, you know, this has happened to me ever since I was from four years old, 12 years old, 16 years old. There was a period from 16 to 32 when nothing happened. Then it started again in Oklahoma. It was terrible in New Jersey. I've never talked about this you know, until now. But didn't you but put a little of that in your book, 2012? A I, little I, bit I of personal? Bit of that stuff yeah. Yeah. Yeah, towards the end of it, I've always talked about my personal stuff in my books. You know, my true paranormal, I think. Uh, well, I had you ever it. thought but, about getting the house, uh, getting an exorcism? Well, what happened, let, let me just tell you what happened. And yeah. it's amazing how you have a guardian angel that looks out for you. Just like my daughter didn't stay here, her guardian angel kept her from staying here in Thanksgiving. Because she should have come here, and she didn't. Those things were waiting for her. They opened her bedroom door out of pride and arrogance that they were waiting for my daughter. So, uh, but getting back to June, um, 
So I, I, I go into my bed, and all of a sudden my dog turns around, walks back down the hallway, looks up the stairs of the attic, and goes ballistic like he saw something. I know what it's like when my dog barks, and I know what it's like when the UPS guy comes to the door. He's barking like the UPS man's upstairs. So then I go lay down, and the dog sleeps on a little chair at the footboard. Again, there's this bang, and uh, both me and the dog look. So he heard it. You know, and then as, as things work out, you know, I'm always looking for a date. I'm single. I meet this woman. I tell her what happened. She goes, John, I'm coming over. This woman comes over with her own holy water. She knows the exorcism, St. Michael writes and, and uh-huh. prayer wow. by heart. She goes from room to room, blesses every room. And, and we go, we do the whole house. And then uh, about a month later, my dog goes ballistic again. It's like 10.30 at night. He runs to the front door. I go down. I got all spotlights, motion lights. Nothing comes on. That same bang is outside the door, outside. Boom! I get an email from my neighbor. They said, did you hear that bang at 10.30? They said, we thought a car hit the house or something. The entity couldn't get back in because of the blessing. So, oh, that's fabulous. It's unbelievable, Bill. That was June of 14, but then 15, November of 15, like I, I was telling you, they come back. There's nine, nine levels of angels, so there's nine levels of demons. Whatever came back was much more powerful than what was here in June, and I don't know if the holy water wears off. Well, it, it, was, it was in my house. And how this thing culminated is I, I lay down, it's now after Thanksgiving, it's probably that Sunday or so uh, of the weekend. I lay down and this constant tapping, banging in different corners of the room. I hear it up in the attic. And um, all of a sudden there's a creak in the ceiling. I mean, Bill, it sounded like the ceiling got crushed like a soap can. And uh, so I remember what the woman said. I commanded in the name of Jesus to leave, right? And so nothing so then i lay down i open my eyes the room is pitch black I, I i sat up and i said wow i've never seen it so dark in my room and i don't sleep with any lights on uh-huh. and i said well you know i i'll just that's great all of a sudden something stabs me in the head i hear the crack again unbelievable so I, again, commanded it very forcefully in the name of Jesus to leave, and if you don't leave now, you're going to go to the pit of fire now instead of at the end of days. Bill, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, like a veil, the blackness lifted straight up. And all of a sudden, I saw light, and I looked. The moonlight was coming through the windows. And I looked around the room. I actually saw this black veil lifting up above me. And, uh, but, but the tapping and stuff continued for about another month. It really just stopped around February 1st, the first week of February. It, I, it was incredible. Absolutely. So, so maybe you drove it away at that point. I think I, think I did. I'm telling you. My but maybe step, you created it as well. I don't, you know, I think it's a generational sin. It's something to do with my father. What, um, what do you mean? Spent time, wait, wait. What do you mean about time. your dad? Well, he spent time in prison. He killed a guy. He had a, he had knife fights. His history was unbelievable. I think something, probably from his behavior, attached to the family. And uh, well, you know, from what I read, and even reading Malachi Martin, and then they can pick out, you know, one. And, and a lot of times they pick you out prior to birth. 
but it's based on the sins of the father. And that's why this stuff has happened to me. I mean, I have my earliest memory, like at four years old, something grabbing my seat in the bed and screaming and seeing my father, my mother, and my brother come in the room. I thought my brother did it. He's outside the room. I said, who the hell did that? <laughs> well, <clears throat> when I you mean, say I, I, I was, sin. I was four years old. Um, when you talk about sins of the father, that sort of is a kind of predeterministic way of looking at it versus uh, another view is that some people hold is that uh, reincarnation allows you to keep revisiting um, things in your life you need to learn. So instead of you're doomed by something that happened that your parents did that you have no control over, um, the reincarnation part at least gives you back a handful, or, you know, a hand in your own um, uh, future. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I read, and I've read this a couple of times, I don't know if it was Chuck Missler's book or Malachi Martin, is that if they, they can actually make a claim on your family, it's almost like Bill, like legally, you know, you'd understand that, like legally, they can claim three generations, and when they get away with it for three generations of possession, let's say, uh, that they own that family line. And but I've wait, read that who in, sets in a, this? Yeah who, yeah, who gave that number? Of three generations? I yeah. read it in a book. I think it was Chuck Missler or, or one of these guys. I've read so many books over the last, uh, you know, uh, Ralph Sarchi's books. Uh, uh, one, of, one of them that I read said that the, after three generations, they, they claim rights to that family line, like it's an agreement with God or something, you know. But my, my thing was I am going to break this chain, and they're not going to get my kids. Because, right, because you know, think about this. It's demonic to believe that the devil has the same kind of power as God. So if he's... He doesn't. What? He doesn't. I mean, he's... God, from what I've read, they're allowed to do what what God allows them to do. And at some point, either God feels you've got to be taught a lesson, or if you believe in, in Jesus and put your faith in him like I did recently over the last couple of months. I go to church now every Sunday. I wear a cross. I am one hundred percent back being a Catholic after twenty five years of never stepping foot in the church after my divorce. <laughs> so uh you know, so if if you got that faith and I think that's what did it, they were repelled out of the house. Well it you know, I, I have to say when you mentioned about your father just now it was a story. I think you and I spoke. Uh, it would have to be about a year and a half ago about um, a lot of UFO phenomena happening up in Carbon County, Pennsylvania, right north of Allentown, or in the same, right in the Lehigh Valley. And this one person who was at the center of the these events. Uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but I'll, I'll email you his. I'll see if he yeah. wants to talk about it. Okay. But uh, he tells, and I have it on video. He tells this incredible story of going to his his mom and his stepfather um, live up in Carbon County, and he tells the story that for and he lives in Philly, and reason. He uh, felt drawn, it was on his birthday, he felt drawn to his parents' house. 
his father's dead. He felt drawn to his parents' house and all the way up in the country. And when he got there, it was this eerie feeling that he had, very spooky feeling. He, 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 he was up there with his friend who lives there. And he's had a lot of paranormal experiences. I can go into one of them. So he goes mm. into the house, and they're in the basement, and suddenly he sees a red light out. And this is 3 in the morning. So he sees a red light outside the window, and his parents' dogs start going crazy. I mean, ju- yep. and this is, uh, one of them is a Belgian Malinu, which is, you know, not a dog you trifle with. And the other one is um, a Grand Pyrenee, also not a dog you trifle with. Sweet dog, but I wouldn't want to get on its bad side. They start going crazy, howling. And this kid gets upset. He doesn't want his parents to wake up. So he looks out. He's in the basement. He looks out the casement window, and he sees a large red orb basically floating down to the ground and landing in his backyard. And then against the redness of the orb, and when I tell you his backstory, John, you won't believe this. So against the the red orb, he sees two kind of shadowy stick figures, black shadow-like figures, but they're stick figures. And they're approaching the casement window. So what he said was most frightening to him. And I, and I know that you've probably heard something like this a hundred times before. I know I have. What, what scared him so much was not seeing the figures, but it was the memory that those figures brought up. In other words... He knew at the moment watching the orb and the figures that he'd seen them before. And the experience that he had with them was so frightening that it was like PTSD. It just brought up all those old feelings. So he took his iPhone and his camera iPhone. And as they and he and he locked all the windows so, so he thought they, they couldn't get in. As they tried to um, put their hands under this one window ledge, he flashed the camera in their faces, and he said he heard a bunch of clicking sounds, like they were talking to each other in a click language. Well, now uh, Mary Rodwell has talked about the click language. I know that there are languages on Earth. Bantu in Africa is a clicking language. Miriam Makiba sings that uh, songs in that click language. So so what he did was he gets so angry, he's now in a fury. He grabs a poker from the basement fireplace, from the Franklin stove in the basement. He grabs the poker and he says, I'm going to go outside. And this is not a violent guy. Well, he can be. But I'm just yeah. saying that, that uh, he's, he's in a band. So he's not especially violent. He grabs the poker, and he says, I'm going to go outside, and I'm going to kill them for what they did to me. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to crush their heads. He grabs the poker. He runs outside the house. This is now about 3.30. He runs outside the house with his poker, 
and he knows that they're on the other side of the house. So he's sneaking up. Suddenly, there's this bright flash. The next thing he knows, he's lying on the ground, the poker is by his side, and the sun is coming up. Wow. Now, this is in the summer, so it's now about five, uh, quarter of five in the morning. So he can't account for that hour and a half. That, and he was so shaken that he collects his friend, who's still hiding in the bathroom, wouldn't come out, had to coax him out, and he just goes sit to sit in his car, sits in his van for, for a few minutes until his mother comes out and wants to know what all the commotion is. And there was an orb. And there was an orb. And it was a big red orb. And he said that he could see for months afterwards that the grass in the backyard where the orb had landed was all burned. And he I mm. even had a right. photograph. And Chris of tonight the was um, work, working with Reagan Lee, who originally wrote, she writes the original column, The Orange Orb. Yep. And she was going to be the one that was going to try to call in, but yeah. uh, she didn't know if she could make it tonight. So. Yeah, but I want to mention her name and mention her website. And again, I'm going to catch up tomorrow with Alfred privately because, oh, Crystal, Crystal should call in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just saying. Um, <clears throat> yeah, Crystal should call in just to say say hello. Well, so well, but anyway, yeah, um, uh, orange or well, Maybe. yeah. So whenever anybody mentions Reagan, has been kind of ha- carrying this banner for a long time. But she, I wonder if she tells more because they always had a kind of dissonance. I, I, and also while I've got the podium for a second, I wanted to say about John's story. I do think that if you and John think again about that uh, psychic monster of the psyche what did you call it again the id monster the id monster um i think you have two paths in catholicism you can either go to the path of the light i think which is where you think about guardian angels and god or you go to the path Mm -hmm. of the devil and say under the guise of i'm so scared i want to protect myself you do a lot of reading about the devil and you kind of put yourself in that frame of mind and that's where i think a problem can be and and that might be a solution as well <laughs> read about angels well it, it, it's interesting because um, this person that I was talking about John his backstory is that and it's a creepy creepy backstory his father was a Satan worshiper mm. and his father was murdered I'm trying to get the details in in place, but the story goes something like this. His father, um, his father's best friend killed him, stabbed him to death, just stabbed him to death repeatedly. And it was over this woman. But again, this is sort of like a curse on the family. Right, it was a curse on the family, exactly what it is. So so, so, uh, uh, this father uh, had a whole trunk of satanic artifacts, books, and all kinds of strange things. And he left this to his son, who really has been plagued by all kinds of demonic events. But why not bury it in a pit and light a fire in the pit? So what I told the son to do was burn it. 
Just burn the whole suitcase. Set it up, I would start a, a fire, first. and burn it up. And don't even think about it anymore. It's burned. The wa Here, wait. You should dig a pit because if you burned up satanic stuff on the surface and, and the ashes blew all over the place, right. that would That's be a bad. Good, very good point. See? Very good right. point. So yeah, you're actually supposed to uh, put holy water, burn it, put holy water on the ashes, and then bury it. Well, cover where it. do you get you holy water? You didn't do that. But wait, where do you get holy water? A and priest. No, no, where do you, you get holy You, you just go to the church. I, I have a, a bottle of it. I go to church. I fill up a little vial of holy water. You mean you just take water, it? Take it home. You just yeah, take it? I, yeah. My church has a huge, what they they do uh, baptisms, and it's a large, almost like bathtub as soon as you come in. And everybody dips their finger there and makes a sign of the cross. But they also do the baptisms there of the little kids. So I just come with, when I need holy water. I just put my little vial in there, fill it up, and take it with me. Um, have you ever heard of the practice? If you want to sell a piece of real estate, of burying a statue of Saint Joseph upside down? Uh, no, but I what I did was I had four coins of uh, uh, like pendants of uh, Saint Michael. My priest blessed this to me. I dipped it in the holy water and I buried it at the four corners of the house. Oh, good idea. Outside. That's a good idea. Yeah. Outside. Yeah. But I, I tell you, the only weirdest has taken me, though, is, uh, and there's so much more that has happened over the years, out-of-body experiences, very lucid dreams with these, like, some, like hybrid kids. And I've always questioned, is it, is it an abduction? Is it, is it uh you know, is, is this an E.T. thing or is it a demonic thing? What happened in 04, I mean, in uh, um, 2014 and what just happened at Thanksgiving was clearly, in my mind, a demonic uh, instance. But what, what I did was I, took, I went back now for the past year and a half investigating the gray alien abduction and what happens. You know, it, it, it's, it's after midnight. It's in the corner of your room, you know, it freezes you, it takes you, you know, and then people, you know, describe you're these. Not, uh, you're not 100% basing your research on Dr. Jacobs, are you? No, no, it's just different books, different online, different no, things I've read. I've read 50 books in the past uh, year and a half and trying to, to figure out, you know, and I made a list of what happens during demonic possession. Then I went through that list, and I said, okay, which of these also happens during an alien encounter? And about half Good of idea. the items are, are, are similar, you know? And, and what, what really got my attention was Nick Redfern spoke at my uh, conference here in Pittsburgh, and I was talking to him about what happened in 14, because he spoke here in November of 14, and he says, read my book, Final Events. He you know, talks about the Collins elite, and what got my attention was the first gray that was ever drawn was the one that was conjured up by Alistair Crowley. It was named Lamb. It was an elemental conjured up by Alistair Crowley during a demonic, you know, a satanic ritual. That's the first gray that has ever been described right. in 1918. So again, I'm saying to myself, are the greys E.T. or the greys demonic and they're, they're you know, trying to trick us or create the Nephilim with, the, with these hybrid experiments? You know, I think what Jacob says is true as far as all his research. I question what the origin is. Is the origin E.T. 
or is the origin, you know, satanic? Is it is it Lucifer, and is it just a repeat of uh, the Nephilim and and the flood and that type of stuff? So uh, I, I've really actually been spending a lot of time trying to figure out if that gray alien abduction is really alien or is it demonic. Well, that's why this particular case up in Carbon County is so intriguing because I don't know whether this is really an ET event or whether this person is actually possessed because he told this story also they were doing Ouija board stuff always a danger so they're doing Ouija board stuff yep. and again this is up in up up in northern Pennsylvania and they're doing this Ouija board stuff and they begin to clown, and so what his friends did was they took their hands off the planchette, and they left him with one finger, and the planchette begins to move, and it, it moves to, and I forget the name of, that it's spelled out, but it's spelled out this name Warner or something, it's, it's a name like that, and it was weird. And they were really freaked out that it was almost moving on its own. So there's a graveyard across the street from where they lived. And so the next day they go out into the graveyard to find out if they could find this guy's name on any of the headstones. I've been in the graveyard. I saw the headstone. So oddly enough, and I saw this with my own eyes, the gravestone... They're all upright gravestones in this graveyard. And this is old. These are things that go back to the 19th century. And so this person's gravestone, the one that spelled out his name on the the Ouija board, that gravestone is flat, not upright, and it's in the shape of a planchette. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and the, when we researched who he was, he was a railroad man in the in the middle of the 19th century during the Civil War, and he was murdered. Yeah. So talk about strange stuff. And evil. And evil. Yeah. But well, I, I tell you what, I, I got um, two items. To... Go ahead, Chris. Okay, yeah, tell me what you're going to say, Ned. Well, I was going to ask, don't you think that some of this fear breeds itself? I mean, if you continue to focus on the evil, it's like every time I hear about the aliens supposedly being bad and evil and I go nuts because I, I don't get that sense. I mean, when Nancy was talking about that red orb, that goes back to my one itsy-bitsy experience where I saw the burn mark on the ground back when I was a kid. But I get no feelings of fear about the aliens or of anything bad. Well, Chris is among us the only one who's had an experience directly, and, and Chris does not feel... Uh, in fact, as you kind of expand on this whole story, it's a feeling of excitement, not a feeling of fear. Right, Chris? Am I putting words in your mouth? 
Chris? Chris? No, Chris. Well, I know, I know for me, just that little small thing that yeah. I experienced where I saw this craft land and it appeared to me as a four or five year old that they got out and put out the burn where it was burning on the ground. <clears throat> yeah, as a kid, I'm scared to go out there. That's what it was. I'm sorry, I was on. I was on uh, on mute. But um, no, that's what it was with me. Is that uh, I was at first it was excitement, um, and then and then and then it was and then it was uh, after that it was kind of fear, really. <laughs> I guess um, excitement because I had the first one happen, and then after that I wasn't just expecting. Of course, the second one to hit me six feet away. It became fearful then, and then it became, well, if it did that, was it going to come back? And, uh, of course, it was almost like I wasn't even thinking as much as that when it happened in the in-between encounters. I was just so caught up and wanting to see it, but then when it did, then, yeah, the, the, kind of the fear point came it's in. It's very important to put the concept of the greys next to the concept of demons, but I also think if you want to be fully rounded in your research, you have to put the concept of the grays next to the concept of DMT, mm -hmm. the spirit molecule. Sure, well, because that goes to the to the first encounter that I had um, with the um, with the big disc, and I, had, you know, as I going on talking about how I felt like it was like going to suck me up, and I started uh, having those feelings, and I said, "Oh God!" in my head. Well, what was said? "Oh God!" in my head. It just stopped that that feeling now. Uh, you know, I don't. Yeah, do, I, you, do you know what I mean you know. by DMT, the spirit molecule, that book, etc.? Mm -hmm. No. No. no okay. what, so, like what Preston Dennis talked about. Well, it, this is a very famous book, and it, it's a must-read book for anybody who's vaguely interested in this topic. Uh, it's called DMT, the Spirit Molecule, and it's by Rick Straussman, and. He would be on the show, except I believe he's got a terrible stutter. Believe it or not, he's not. He doesn't speak okay. properly, or doesn't speak comfortably. But it's a very important. But, book. He, but here's the thing: um, DMT is the uh, is a chemical that we are awash in, and all the plants and and uh, living things on the planet are awash in DMT. But we never experience it because our stomach. Um, uh, acids and things mm -hmm. keep us from being high on DMT all the time. However, if we have a near-death experience or if we learn how to control it through meditation or if we have, let's say, a brain situation where DMT is just spurting out periodically and is not being nullified by the rest of the body, the stomach, whatever, you will, f you will have very similar experiences to yeah. near-death, but you will always go to a... Um, um, a place where you're going to interact with entities, little gray entities. You know, come just kind of hitting on this. Maybe, um, maybe John might have seen that today, or you guys maybe caught on on Roger Marsh who just posted something on about a on Facebook um, a, about a doctor that died and and said they had went to heaven. He'd got some like meningitis or something like that. Uh, got really sick and was basically in a coma for a week, and he had described. I was sitting there reading this article, and, and he described about how he went to, he, he claimed heaven or whatever, but uh, it's kind of hard to have to go in and read it all. But um, this is kind of basically talking all kind of a little bit what you hit on there, and, and um, yeah, it was really interesting. Well, so. uh, a, a, a very, a something very similar happened with Thomas Edison. 
1931, he, he was near death in 1931. He, they were living in Fort Myers, Florida. And he had lapsed into a coma. Now, Thomas Edison, for the last decade of his life, from like 1920 on, he tried to uh, develop a machine that he believed that um, life, what we call life, was animated by these things called life units. It was kind of like charged electrons that were cohesive kind of like quantum entanglement, but not quite. And he believed that these life units that comprise the human being, like the, the John Ventry life units, the it's Chris Brown life units. It's too bad he could this with Tesla. Yeah, well, he, he didn't, but they, they were both fighting with each other over this. Mm-hmm. He believed that they existed after the death of a person, even if only for a short period of time. So his concept was that if these were electrically charged particles, then electrically charged particles inter- interrupting a photon beam, a beam of light, would trigger a photoelectric cell. And if it triggered a photoelectric cell, even if nothing were in the room, that would mean that something crossed that beam. So that was his big experiment. So he hired these channelers, these mediums, these clairvoyants to summon spirits of the dead to cross this beam. Well, nothing happened. But the point is that this became almost like an, a pilgrimage for Edison for the next 10 years. So now Ooh. he's in Florida. He's very sick. He lapses into a coma. His family is by his side. Then... He awakens from his coma, and he's fully awake. He's very lucid, and he's got this, like, beams coming out of his face. And he says he's been to the other side. He's seen it. He had a near-death experience. He's seen it. He's been to the other side, and he tells everybody in the room, you have nothing to fear from death, that there is... We, we really don't die. He's saying, my consciousness was there, and I knew that I had died, but I'm back to tell you. And then he died. That's, that's the, the, about the same exact thing that this, this guy had said, this doctor. And it was funny because he, was, uh, he never knew his, his original family. And it, he talked kind of into a little bit of a story about when he had went up there and he had died, and he apparently went to like a heaven, or he had... I don't know, it's kind of sounding bizarre, but anyway, he had met somebody, and then it ended up that that, that, that guy that he met was his real sister that he had never met in real life, so it was like a reincarnated thing as well. You, you, actually, you would have to see on, on Roger Marsh, he had posted it on his Facebook, it was a big article, if any time you get a chance, you might have him on your yeah. Facebook to look, and it was really yeah. interesting. I'll take a look at it. Yeah, yeah it was, um, John, it was really interesting. The other question I got is why, you know, I look at the alien phenomenon, right, the abduction, and if you think about 1973, the big UFO wave from Pasigula up the Mississippi across Pennsylvania, all the cases we had, they saw a craft, they saw beings in uniform, you know, and these 
creatures were taking soil samples, animal samples, trying to coax people onto the ship. And, and, you know, and then somewhere in the 70s, 80s maybe, it changed to this creepy gray in the corner of your bedroom after midnight in the dark that steps out of the shadows. It's completely changed, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah, and it's even in the seventies. In the seventies, you got seventy-five the cattle mutilations, which is completely right. unexplainable. Well, you know, uh, and I read a couple of things too, like even uh, Father Malachi Martin. He said prior to nineteen ninety, exorcism was rare. He says from nineteen ninety on, there's about thirteen hundred exorcisms a year, and and thousands of house cleansings for right. demonic and, activity. And the, question, and the question to you would be, was that because the church became more open to conducting exorcisms or because there was more of a need for the exorcisms themselves? I don't know. <laughs> you, know, see, that's, you know, That's the question that I started the whole thing off with, and it's, it's obsessing me. Um, is Malachi okay? I've listened to the um, you, John, mentioned his name a couple of times. The priest who was on Dar- uh, uh, Midnight in the Desert with Heather, uh, his name you've mentioned him a couple of times. Chuck Mitchell, no, yeah. no, no, the other priest, I think his last name begins with an R. Rach, Rach, don't know. Anyway, um, the, you because his you've just recently talked about reading his book, can't remember his name. Uh, I, I said uh, Ralph Sarchi. Sarchi. He's a cop. He's not a priest. Oh, okay. He's a cop. Okay. Okay. Is he that a member of like uh, what are the orders uh, that you know, that Catholic men join? Forget the name. The Sodalities or um, you know you join the Holy Mary Society or something. Holy name. Different. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't really know. I think about he's that. a like a like an elder in one of those. I'll look him up again. Sarchi. I thought he was yeah. a priest. But yeah, he was actually. They made that movie. Remember the movie about two years ago, "Deliver Us from Evil." The, the cop in in the Bronx, and oh, yeah. he's no. investigating, and no. he gets involved in a uh, demonic case. I heard. And, no, I, I, heard about that. That. I didn't see it, but I heard about. Is the this movie. Um, like on Netflix or something? No, it was a real a movie in the theaters called "Deliver Us from Evil." Oh. It was excellent, um, and uh, well, he I'm, ended up actually. After about 20 years, he left the police force. He does this. He's a demonologist now, and he wrote a book called Deliver Us from Evil. It was excellent. One of the best books on demonology you can read. I learned so much from his book. Well, you know, there is a group in Connecticut. It was, uh, they were friends of Malachi Martin. And I think it's called S. C-O-R-E, it's SCORE, but I don't know what what it stands for. And Mm. they talk about a lot of the exorcisms that they engage in, and they tell this one story, it's of a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist was dealing with a lot of evil patients, and she wanted to find out what was the source of their evil behavior? So what she did was she was kind of summoning that evil in the thought, bad thought, that her intellectual side could decipher what was spiritually evil. Well, bad things happened. She Mm. became possessed and her life went into the pit. 
she had a whole bunch of physical, um, terrible physical symptoms, psychological symptoms. She knew she was in deep trouble, and she knew that it wasn't simply um, a psychological issue because she'd been to psychiatrists. She knew that it was spiritual, well, and this group exorcised her and basically removed whatever was um, demonizing her. Mm. And so that's... Well, I, 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 I can tell you what happened here was totally real. Um, it was invisible. It, it, in every single thing that happened in June of 14... And you know what's funny, too? June of 14, it was my 20th anniversary of divorce. The following day is when those things happened. And then half of the things that's ever happened, my son actually pointed this out. He said, Dad, do you realize half of the stuff that's happened paranormal happens at Thanksgiving when the three of us are together, when I have my two kids with me? Your divorce is 20 years old? Yeah, in in 94 it was 20. Mm. Wait, wait, what year did you get married and what year divorced? I got uh, married October of 78 and divorced... uh, June 6th of uh, 94. Okay. Well, I feel like I don't want to be hurting your feelings because we're doing this whole anniversary oh. thing. The opposite. <laughs> it's just, we hung, we, we, we were lucky enough to, um, I guess, I don't know, second well, marriage. Yeah, second but marriage. the whole thing is that yeah. have your, has your son experienced anything? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's actually amazing the things that happened in New Jersey. And they didn't tell me until years later when I started Where talking about Where in New about Jersey? Uh, Roxbury, right by uh, Randolph and uh, Rockaway. It's off the Route 80 in, okay, in North Okay, I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. The, the moment we moved into the house, I, I, I remember my parents came over to see the house. The, the moving boxes in the garage are sliding around the floor. You can hear the heavy boxes sliding on cement. People in my house, my sister, relatives, they saw dark shadows moving across the ceiling. Uh, one night with my girlfriend, we saw one in the bedroom move across the ceiling. Uh, she told me that in the spare room, she would hear a rocking chair and a baby crying. And my daughter years later said, Vanessa, she said, yeah, Dad, I heard the same exact thing. My son, when he went to bed, a number of times he'd lay down. In the wall, there'd be a voice that that would say, I'm going to get you. And one time, he's in the bathroom brushing his teeth. The cat's on the counter. He sees this hairy, it-like creature walk right past the bathroom door. The cat and him both looked at the same time. He said well, he jumped over the rail into the living room and ran out of the house. Are, are your kids uh, also going to church with you? They go to, uh, well, they live, my daughter's in Wilmington, North Carolina. My son's here. They, they both go to a non-denominal uh, denomination church where, you know, they play music and it's a Christian church and, and then there's a, a lecture, or, you know, all of that. It's uh-huh. not a Catholic church, but it's a Christian church. They both go. Well, but but they, there was all kinds of things happened in that house in New Jersey, uh, you know, and uh, and then when I moved here, it, the stuff continued. Matter of fact, as soon as I moved into this house in Pittsburgh, the the, the, the tapping in the wall, uh, that would that went on for years. When well, I well, did the moved previous here. occupants of the house report strange things? 
I don't know. You know, it was kind of odd. She was a gynecologist, and she had one son who was a teenager, and they moved out, and I remember her saying, well, um, I don't want a house. I want a ranch. I don't want a house on, on with so many levels, you know, three levels, four levels with the attic. I want to own a ranch, which I thought was odd because they weren't that old. She was in the 40s. The kid was 16. Uh, but I lived next to a cemetery, too. There's a huge cemetery right on, on the other side of my stockade fence. And I'll tell you something, and it's in my book. When I was about six years old, I had a dream of, of I was leaning against an open back door, and there was a brick wall to the house, and I was looking out at a cemetery. And when I came here looking for houses, and this was the last house I looked at when, with the real estate, when I went to the back door and opened it and looked out, I saw that same brick wall, and I saw that same cemetery. I knew I was buying this house, and I also knew I was never leaving this house either. Well, that's got to be that's, that's got to be spooky. Um, I keep thinking when you're telling the story about how these things follow you, that reminded me of uh, the story of the Bell Witch in Tennessee. This very famous story yeah. about Governor Andrew Jackson. Um, leading this um, party of um, exorcists to take on the witch, and the witch kind of um, intercepted them on their journey, stayed with them on their journey, but the thing was that after the witch defeated them, and they left saying, well, you know, I'll be double de damned I can't beat that witch, she stayed, that spirit stayed with the Bell family and the children of the Bell family even after they left the farm in the Tennessee. The Bell family. Yeah. It's the Bell witch. The Bell family, just saying. Well, I was just saying that I would turn into Hussein Bolt and run out that door as soon as I've seen all what you're describing there, John, at world record speed and but, uh, but never go back. It follows, it follows me. You, well, yeah. from sixteen, get this. From sixteen to thirty-two, nothing happened. The years I got married, dating, all of that, kids born. Mm. We moved to. Oh, we was. I was supposed to go to Europe, and uh, UPS wanted me to be in charge of security there for Spain and Portugal, and then go on to be in the European security director. My wife wouldn't go, so we, as a punishment, they sent us to Oklahoma City, and uh, <laughs> that's when. And, and, you know, it's true. That's exactly uh, what they did. Uh, mm -hmm. But when we were in the house in Oklahoma, that's when the stuff started up again. One night I was walking. We had a first floor. The, the bed, master bedroom was on the first floor. I, I was walking into the bedroom in the hallway. I heard a voice. like It sounded like an Indian, like a chant. And it went, ha, ha, loud like that. Another time we were sitting in the living room. The kids were in bed. They were three and five years old. And upstairs, I hear three footsteps. Hmm. And then I hear three louder footsteps. And I said to my wife, are the kids up? It was a, we, we didn't do anything. Then all of a sudden, they, the three bangs were so loud. I mean, I couldn't make that kind of a noise. I bolted upstairs, checked every closet, the toy box, under the bed. The kids were sleeping. That's when it restarted. And then it followed me to Jersey. And it's followed me here. So it's been three houses, really. And, but again, yeah. I've, I've had stuff happen yeah. even younger in New York, in Queens, you know, out-of-body experiences. Really? Where uh, in Queens? Uh, Richmond Hill. Wow, Richmond Hill. Well, yeah. 
John, is your father still alive? No, he passed away in 07. And I'll tell you something. The day he passed away, and that night, I, when I finally lay, and this is strange, nothing paranormal, but I laid down, well, I guess it is paranormal, I laid down, and all, I was just looking at the ceiling as I was thinking, it was dark. All of a sudden, I saw a flash, and I only saw it in my left eye. I did not see it in my right eye. It was only in my left eye. It was the darkest, blackest circle black and then black, and the most brilliant electricity pouring out of it like a, like a fountain. And a second later, something like rubbed my arm. I was laying down with both my hands like across, the, across my stomach. I felt all the hairs on my arm move. Like, I believe it was my father saying goodbye, mm. and he put his hand on my arm, and, and that was it. Well, did you um, come to any kind of peace with his legacy while he was still alive? Did you talk to him about this kind of familial passed-down curse? No, because I, I really, you know, I, I got along great with my father. I mean, there was no issues between us, and, and I miss him, and I love him. And, but, uh, you know, these things happen three years apart, and you end up, something will happen, and then, you forget about it. You know, the only problem is since I've come, went to Jersey and then here, it's almost like every 18 months, once a year, once every two years, something major happens, you know? Well, there are very demonic parts of New Jersey, for example. There's a place called the Devil's Tea Table. And um, Bill and I, in the course of our, uh, we've been married now for 36 years tonight? Yes. 36 years, but... We, we live together. We live together for forty for, years. Uh, so we've been together. Uh, we lived together in sin, before we had the courage to pick this date to get married. We, around in the middle of January, we thought about this. And Bill's very Jewish, and I am nominally Catholic. And so the only people who could see us under such short notice were the Unitarians. Yeah, because they don't care. They don't care. And so they married us. And um, you know, we had a very uh, beautiful little wedding in which we could write our own vows or we could select our own vows from a little collection and it i, I just remember it had something to do with the sockeyed salmon right <laughs> i don't remember it was an american indian ceremony but i should really try to find those actually i do have the physical pages i will type it out what okay. we what we said to each other with perfectly straight faces by the way the greatest movie scene for a wedding ever ever put on film um is a movie in a movie called Best Friends with um, Burt Reynolds and I believe Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, right? And it's mm -hmm. one of the best movies ever made. And Ron Silver. Well, and so they they quickly get married at a certain point, and you have to kind of I'm not going to give the joke away, but it's just you just crack you just double it over with laughter. It's a wonderful wedding scene. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ron here, Silver. Now, Ron Silver actually, to go back a little bit, was in the entity to go yes, uh, yes. with Barbara Hershey. Yeah, yeah, that was Ron Silver. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you're now. right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Who who passed away? I think that he's he? dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Great actor. And he wasn't that old when he died. No, he wasn't. No. Yeah. You know, well, when you, you're talking about, you're talking about movies, and you mentioned Mad Max before. I thought it was the worst movie of the year. I bought it on DVD, on Blu-ray. I sat there and watched it. Great special effects, but absolutely no story at all. They go from here to there, and then they return. 
they come back. Well, I mean, it's a and remake it, it, too. That's what that's what was driving me crazy at the Oscars. It's a remake, and I'm thinking, yeah. what's his face? I Mel hated Gibson, it too, John. Mel Gibson should have been sp- should have been spitting nails at this point because that's his oh, character. Yeah. yeah, there was nothing new in the story. Uh, Tom Hardy had less lines than Stallone did in Rambo. <laughs> I'm sitting there saying, this has got to be the worst movie of the year. I gave the Blu-ray to my son. He liked it because it was all action. And I said, you know, I'm at the point in my life there has to be a storyline. <laughs> you know, we can't well, just... What did, you think of, well, what did you think of Spotlight? Did you see it? I didn't see those movies. As a matter of fact, half those movies that were up at the finals... I didn't see any of those. Spotlight. I never heard of Spotlight should... until last night. Spotlight is a movie you should see. I mean, that is really. Uh... And, and to sweeten the deal, you don't. It's not like the Kevin Bacon movie where they went and they hunted down the priest who abused them, and that was the whole point of the story of revenge and say. This is nothing like that. This is a story of newspaper reporters who get the lead on a story, and the real reporter was in the audience at the uh, Academy Awards. And they just hold on to the story and won't let it go, even though you begin to realize it's going all the way up like like an endemic infection, all the way up to the yeah. top. Right. And well, the if you, and if the you remember, was, Nancy, that's that's part of my storyline in 1221-2012, A Prophecy. That whole thing with the Catholic priests, I was aware of it at that time in 2007 when I published the book, in 04, I heard about it, and I actually weaved that into the storyline that that was and made it part of that novel. Well, the, uh, the thing you like of about which this. Novel? Which novel? Uh, uh, 12, 12, 21, 2012, A Prophecy. Okay. Uh, the one that you put on filament right, books. Right. Uh, which yeah. is coming back, uh, by that, the way. Yeah, that was part of the storyline with the, with the police detectives that were investigating. I mean, it, it's a novel. That's you why know, I asked it. you uh, how personal, because um, you've always been very reticent while in your, your role as um, MUFON bigwig. But in real life, you're kind of letting your story out through fiction, right? That's what I thought you were doing. You yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of, you know, matter of fact, I, it, that was me. The character in the book was I me know, and the kids. Matter of fact, they had, they had my kids' names, Nolan and Vanessa. That was us in, in the book. You'll see the same thing with Whitley Strieber. No matter what book he writes, it's always about Whitley Strieber in his own yeah. way. You know, you, there's always uh, a young, youngish man who's trying to save a small boy, basically. It's kind of mm. a theme, just saying. And it's kind of the theme of tonight. So many small boys were abused. Um, I personally know quite a few. Yeah, we know a lot. And 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 uh, one of the things about the movie Spotlight, which you'd like, is that the the backstory of it, besides the investigation of the abuse that these now these are adult children that are talking about, but the backstory is that. The Boston Globe had just been purchased. And so what you're dealing with is this media conglomerate. And they bring in this manager who's played by Liev Schreiber. Schreiber. They bring in this manager who basically has to amalgamate the various uh, divisions of reporters in this newspaper. So... As that's coming together, this is what this spotlight group, which is a special unit within the paper, that's what 
um, they begin to investigate. So it really is, um, it's just fascinating. I, I just keep thinking that in terms of American movies, there are some movies that could only be American movies, and this and Spotlight is one of them. You know, what I read into it, though, is, you know, when you look at, because I, you know, I did spend a lot of time uh, looking at End Time Prophecy when I wrote the 1221-2012 book, but you look at, you know, it's kind of amazing, the things in the Bible, and what they say happens at the end times, where people turn away from the church, things happen like this with the pedophile priests, right. um, you know, something tremendous is supposed to happen, which but don't could the be end UFO disclosure. Don't they come for every generation? Don't don't the end times? Uh, do, doesn't every generation feel that the end times are upon them, starting back way back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's every every uh, like even number, eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred, two thousand. People said, you know, there was this is the end. You know, at one thousand A.D., you know, everybody has felt that way. So maybe that says something about the human experience. We're very negative. <laughs> This isn't the God. Well, but of that's Eden. exactly what happened in the year 1000. When you look at all the things that started, let's say a number of years before 1000 and a number of years afterwards, I mean, if you look mm. at that from the perspective of, of uh, world history, you have going up to 1000, you have the foundation of Islam. Then around from, let's say, 850 through 1100, you have the whole monastic movement in the church. People weren't standing on mountains saying any minute now, but there was a, but that's when monasticism swept across Europe. And then by, by the year 1050, you had the great schism between the Orthodox Church in the East and um, the Roman Catholic Church in Rome. Mm. And all that happened around, around on either side of the year 1000. And, of course, our own version of that, among all the movements coming up to this past millennium, one of the biggest ones was, it's so crazy, it was this technological end of days, which was the Y2K. And there's a new one, which is very worrisome and and could be real, and that's, uh, you know, the uh, zero point thing with AI, with the artificial intelligence, when the Mm -hmm. monsters become, or the... You know, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you, uh, what I was, I was saying is, though, you, you look at Malachi, Malachi Omar Bear in 1124, he wrote the papal prophecy, right? Right. But part of that, and, and it's supposed to end with Peter being the last pope, because uh, he was the first pope, and, but they always say that the, something will happen inside the church where it, it, it's from the inside, the Catholic Church, that they get compromised demonically, you know, and the Antichrist, you know, could rise from the inside. Right. The Pope is part of part of that, you know, and and I, that's the way I look at this pedophile priest uh, situation. This is all part of these end time prophecies, you know, that these are the things that go wrong at the end. Nobody would have ever suspected something like that. 30, 40, 50 years ago, you know, because, you know, I could just see James Cagney and, and Pat O'Brien <laughs> you know, saying you know, right. in, angels, angels with, with dirty, dirty faces. Yeah, right. angels. Yeah, with dirty faces. Oh, you realize in fifty years the priests are going to be abusing little boys. They, they would have. They would have punched you right in the face. Exactly. You couldn't even. 
Exactly. You couldn't have said something like you know, that. Can you, you know? Ima- yeah, can you imagine oh, a wait, version of... Just because of, you couldn't uh, yeah, talk about it doesn't mean it wasn't Town. going... Guys, just because you couldn't talk about it doesn't mean it wasn't going on. Oh, no, you're, uh, you're right. I agree with you. It, well, it probably was... Go- I, I mean, I think it's funny because we, we were... Um, when you talk about a movie like an organization like Boys Town, for example, yeah. you know, yeah. you wonder... Yeah. What if any level of abuse was going on there? Yeah, but I, I think this is this is, is Boys Town the one down in Florida, Bill. No, I think Boys Town is out in out in the west, out in the Midwest. Because there's a, a place down in Florida, North Florida, that made the news about a year, two years ago, where they found bodies buried that were buried long ago, kids that were killed, and they're now learning about the abuses that went on there back in the 30s, 20s, uh, eras like that, where nobody talked about the abuse. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. We have a friend who uncovered the kinds of abuse, a a similar but wretched kind of abuse that was going on in Canada against the indigenous peoples there, because what happens is... If a child is born um, of a mixed, uh, you know, the end, um, uh, a mixed race child will many times be put up for adoption or children that, you know, come from rape or children who are born from women who just get pregnant out of wedlock. Those kids mm. were a baby mill for the Catholics for a long, long time in many, many countries. Okay. And so yep. they're, oh, great. We have a little, we have a chance to talk to Crystal. I'm okay. just saying. <laughs> no offense, um, because it, it's. Uh, I we need another female voice here. Hello, Crystal. Hello, happy. Thank you, Crystal. Once again, there's my other person that I said, Crystal, <laughs> won't you come on in tonight? Thank you for being here, darling. Thank you. Crystal. Absolutely, yes. This was Chris Brown. He he talked to me earlier today. I did not know it was your anniversary, and this was going to be a special yeah, show. I and I was having fun listening. This is why you. I waited. I waited because I was being well, freaked out call- listening to your callers thanks. talk about their experiences. But yes, happy anniversary! Thanks for calling. Thank you. The, uh, so these, by the way, in fourteen the in fourteen minutes, it won't be their anniversary anymore. That's right, exactly. <laughs> no, the, no. What Nancy's talking about were the Duplessis babies. There was this whole um, um, institution um, up in up in Montreal, in which these children were horribly abused. And it was really a scandal. I mean, John Lieber yeah. talks about that, too, because they knew about the Duplessis children. Um, these were all the med students at University of Montreal and, uh, Montreal and McGill. They were the ones working for the CIA at the time. Well, yeah. if you talk about, you know, like this kind of demon in the Catholic Church, the demon could be all this pent-up rage of this stuff that's pushed under the carpet. You know, Um I can only tell you as a parent, if I thought someone, my rage would be beyond imagining um, if I thought that someone I trusted hurt my children and hurt them in the worst possible way, took their um, childhood away. Yeah, I just, you know, for somebody charged with, I mean, to be a priest, to be any a pastor, uh, you know, a rabbi, and to do something like that, I mean, that, that person, if there is heaven, if there is hell, that person is, 
condemned. There, you know, there's no, there's no two choices about that. Right, and when you and some of the stories, I mean, some of the stories that people have told me personally, uh, Catholic boys talking about when they were growing up. Um, this person I know was an altar boy, and uh, he basically said that um, for a year he wouldn't tell his parents what the priest was doing. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't, like, there was no penetration. And so, yeah. uh, basically, but it took him a year to get the courage Ooh. to tell his his parents because he was so angry about what he had to go through and why he didn't want to go to church. And, and when they found out, they were beside themselves with fury. And how many kids tried to tell their parents and weren't believed? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Definitely. The same thing. Same thing happens when your uncle does it, uh, and, and nobody. Oh, there's no way. No way. Uncle o Uncle Bob did that to you. You know, and, and it's all hushed up that it can't be. Right. Yeah. Well, do you? How long do you think a church or a religion? It's built on excluding women. Women are second class. They can't be priests. They can't be, um, you know, part of the hierarchy of the church. They have no say. They're just simply chattel. And the sole males have got to somehow stick together and keep this thing going. It, it has an, en an expiration date. Men just can't take it. Men are very sexual. They really need to express their sexuality all the I time. I think humans are very sexual. I think I think Men that's just an unhealthy. I, I mean, that's just a very unhealthy aspect. I think of of the Catholic Church. And when you suppress that kind of thing, and then you add in this very unhealthy view about what masculinity is and dominance and power, it's not surprising that that's what's happening. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. Oh, and, and Al just came yeah. in. Al just came in. Yeah, I've always said it drives the wrong behavior. And celibacy was not, you know, maybe about 600 years ago, I actually, in one of my books, I have the actual date uh, that that went into place. But that's not the way it was for the first 1,600 years. These popes actually had numerous wives and mistresses, you know. But to, to have a policy of celibacy, I think, drives the wrong behavior. Right. And, and, and then there's the whole story. And then there's the whole story of the bloodline, the Sang Royale, the royal blood. The point mm -hmm. was that if Jesus was a rabbi, which he was, and he belonged to the most extreme sect of Judaism, which was the Essenes, they believed that they were the custodians of the Ark of the Covenant, which meant they were... But the were... Essenes could marry, right? Yes. That's the whole point of Jesus. For him to have been an ultra, ultra-Orthodox rabbi would have meant that he would have had to have been married and he would have had to have had children. Those are the rules. And so if he had children, they're alive today, or at least the bloodline is alive today. Yeah, but nobody was more reviled in Catholic history than Mary Magdalene, who was considered a prostitute. And what if she um, ended up 
in turn, you know, being the, well, the, she was the his wife, wife of his of a rabbi, and right. she's, she's you know in the Catholic Church. Wife, yeah, yeah, in the Catholic Church. Oh, but I mean, if you look at the history of the Catholic Church and what it predated, it, you know, it, it you know it predated paganism. It predated a very you know kind of feminine oriented religion, and it drove all that out. So it's not surprising that quote unquote the goddess then became the whore. The whore. Right. Because you, right. So why, not. you know, that's absolutely, I mean, you've got to you look at your history there. It's not surprising. A male-dominated religion came in and completely erased hundreds of years of history that pre- preceded it, and this is what you've got. And it, absolutely, you can't have Mary Magdalene not be a virgin because that messes yeah, up I, the whole, you know, <laughs> the whole yeah, dichotomy of it. What I had read was Peter actually hated Mary, and so he was the one who, said she was really a prostitute right, and that's exactly was, where it came from it came from peter yeah it, uh, uh it came from peter and when you realize that basically what happened he was a dick was that was that the the church became rome that it wasn't it mm-hmm. wasn't just simply that constantine took the cross it was that the entire roman hierarchy became the catholic church and that's why there was the schism in 1054 between the Eastern Orthodox, was the Eastern Roman Empire, that's and the Western Empire. two schisms tonight. That's the second time you've used the word schism. Yes. I'm talking about the same thing. Indeed. And if you want to talk about Kosovo, I'll tell you about a third schism. Well, <laughs> we're getting Speaking to the of schisms. Yeah, we're getting Speaking to of Oh, schisms. yeah, Alfred, hello. There he is. Alfred. Yeah, speaking but, of you know, wait, wait, let Alfred speak. Alfred. No, yeah. I just I just wanted to call and wish uh, everybody a happy anniversary and you know like I'm I, like I was there at the beginning you know when, when things were just absolutely crazy and it was you know like I was trying to get the thing together and trying to get on the phone what and was the, the way first you thing that I it? hear and the first thing that I hear is is Bill he says, "Okay, Alfred, it's 1952. Summer of Saucers. Go." <laughs> <laughs> How did you describe those first shows? Um something about rowboats f- running against the tide, taking on water, something like that. It was a real disaster. Well, well no, what it was is just us busting out of our egg. Indeed. That's that's never pretty. That's or shouldn't true. be. Well, even. do you remember Lan, Lan Lanfear? Mm-hmm. Does that name ring a bell? Yes, Mr. Mercurial. Yes. Yes. Well, he's the fellow who told me to plug my headphones into the Mac. In fact, not only plug in the headphones to the mixer, I had to run out to the, not the, ra- yeah, the Radio Shack. Back when there was a Radio Shack. And no, you, you it wasn't know, that. No, no here's we what it was. At, we weren't at, what was it? No, it was, we came back to the area where we're living now from California. But low, many decades, all the way back in the last century, back in the last millennium, we actually lived in this area before we went to, Calif- we went to New York and then to California. And when we were both uh, teaching at Trenton State College, there was this wonderful store on the streets called Pennington Road, Route 31 in New Jersey. It was called Corda's House of Music. And the thing about Corda's House of Music was it became a landmark 
because there was a big clock in front that was broken. So the hands were always in the same position. Do you remember this, what time? It, no, I, it uh, was like, no. Like, it was 20 of an hour. I remember that. Wow. And so the hands were always in the same position. And that was time the place. Time still. And, and, right. And that was the place we had to go to to get all the equipment that Land Lamb Fear wanted us to get to be able to get on the radio. And that was why he had all the disasters in the early days. Well, because he was brilliant at some things, but it was impossible to advise a person like myself, it was only me, where to plug the plugs in. I, you know, only very recently I figured out, or I didn't figure out, I have forced myself to learn that the output are your headphones. And Bill said, just picture two speakers, big speakers on each ear. It's output. It's going into your ears. It's true. See, I think of it as input because it's going into your head. Mm. And that has given me no end of trouble because when the, when you start reading directions, you get all confused. And we only have four minutes, guys. Four so minutes. So how can we gracefully Well, close let's this? do this. Let's Because I, I have to do the music tonight. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's say, John Ventry, tell us about your website and your books and just run through where the conferences are and where folks can sign up. Yeah, the conferences are MUFONPA.com. You have the Erie Conference coming up April 30th. Uh, then in the fall, you have um, Bucks County is uh, Halloween weekend, actually, October 28th. And then Pittsburgh is November 19th. And for my books, and even the conferences are on my website, too. It's JohnVentry.com. I have four current books out there. The uh, UFOs over PA, Apophis 2029 about the asteroid, um, an alternative history of mankind where I retell our history as though the ETs have interfered and always been here, and then the case for UFOs, which is all the proof for UFOs, but the last six chapters is about demonology hmm. and my hauntings. And, and <laughs> so, you can John, get them. Okay, good. Good. We can all get them from your website. Um, yeah, and they're on they're on Kindle also. Good, good, very good. Well, now you want to catch Crystal on Wednesday night. Crystal and the other guy are are waiting for Angel, just like we are. Um, and um, it's a show called Skywatchers, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's, that's Skywatchers. That right. is. You Wednesday. can also catch me Sunday mornings. Now I'm back with my other co-host Sunday mornings for Women doing... in Hoodies. Okay, I can't believe it. You keep putting on Skype that you're live and it's like at an ungodly hour and I keep thinking it's got to be wrong. <laughs> no, it's like it's 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and it's noon Eastern. So it's new. It's about noon Eastern. So yeah, 12 to 1. The archives are up on SoundCloud. I will check it out and I will try to I'll try to believe you next time when you say we're live. Seriously, we really are. It's like, <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not lying. And you'll I'm hear not a me on, person. It's a true on Skywatchers Radio too with Crystal. Okay, Chris, you're going to be on. You're going to be on. Chris is on Skywatchers with Crystal. I'm Skywatchers too. And then you'll so, yeah. be on next week with us. Wednesdays oh. at 10 p.m. And let's see, we've got John, and we've got well, Kevin. Kevin is um, just Kevin is a listener. So, and Alfred is basically a listener. So we're still there at the listener level. Okay, now next week... We love we'll, Yeah, we do. We couldn't be here without. Uh, next week, hope things will be a little smoother on the sound. They're just very raw, but I have been 
I have great confidence in Ben. Ben and I are going to fix the rest of it, the story. And uh-huh. next week our guest is yes. Tim Schwartz. Yes, right. And um, <coughs> we're talking about, with Tim next week, we'll get into this in detail, uh, Tim was the editor of uh, Tesla's Secret Journals. And so uh, we're going to talk about Tesla's Secret Journals and Tesla's attempt to talk to the dead. That was the big competition. Rivals Edison and Tesla were both desperate to invent a device to talk to the dead. And here we are. We are coming up on midnight. But wait, we have one more guest scheduled, Tom T. Moore. Thanks and shout out to Danny, who was. He's missed tonight, and he's going to be kicking himself because tonight was a good show. Okay. Danny has to pick up the rerun. Okay. So Danny will pick up the rerun. So, um, as we close out, I want to thank everybody for joining us on our anniversary show. Stay tuned for next week. Stay tuned for Midnight in the Desert. We are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Good night. Broadcasting on Future Theater, live from the banks of Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Silbury Village, Pennsylvania, on PSN Radio and the Dark Matter digital network thank you john thank you chris thank you kevin thank you crystal thank you angel we'll see everybody next week with our guest and charles and charles thank you charles see everybody next week good night